Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Had I not been there in person and seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. Saturday Night in Jacksonville started with so much hope for a franchise that has suffered for the better part of a decade. However, by mid-second quarter, people headed for the exits, hope seemingly lost. Trevor Lawrence had thrown four interceptions, special teams lost a punt deep in their own territory, and the Jaguars trailed 27-0 in a super wildcard weekend primetime game, and that was all before the half. Yet the comeback cats are never really out of it, are they? The Jaguars exacted the third largest comeback victory in NFL playoff history in shocking the Los Angeles Chargers 31-30. Now, looming in a Saturday afternoon matchup is the AFC's top team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Earlier this season, the Jaguars put up a valiant fight against the Chiefs but lost 27-17. Joining me for the third week in a row is Jaguars beat writer Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. Demetrius was sitting just two seats down from me, with our colleague Justin Lewis sandwiched in between, as we watched history unfold. Demetrius and I will look back at last weekend's amazing comeback, while also looking ahead to the Chiefs game. Hello again everybody, I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. As I tell you each week, this podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast, to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Let's jump right into things with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Demetrius, welcome back yet again to the podcast. It's good to be back. Incredible that you're back given the game we saw last week. And so before we get to this week's matchup against the Chiefs, let's start with that amazing comeback Saturday night in Jacksonville. You and Justin Lewis, you guys were blaming me early on in the game as the Jaguars were getting mangled by the Chargers. And then everything turned around. You want to adjust your thoughts there? <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed to be um, a, a, a Tim curse, you know, sitting up there in the press box. I, I thought... For sure, you know, hey, 27-0. Um, the only reason why they're they're being shut out right now and blown out right now is because Tim's in the press box. But then all of a sudden, you know, in the second half, they turned out um, in the in the winning column. So it's just a a, a crazy game that I don't think I'll, I'll ever see again. That 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 type of comeback was just incredible. 
No, no, I'd love to consider myself the team's lucky rabbit's foot, but this seems to be their M.O. You have a terrible first half, and then you make a ridiculous comeback in the second half. So let's get started with this. After the game, I love this. Rayshon Jenkins made a funny statement, and our columnist Gene Frenette wrote this great column about just this one comment where he said the Jaguars are like cockroaches. You just can't kill them. So I know it's probably not the greatest analogy, given how people feel about cockroaches, but... How would you say that assessment is fair about this team? <laughs> yeah, um, Doug Peterson actually addressed that yesterday, and he was like, you know, cockroaches are disgusting. But if, if you really look at it, you know, obviously Rayshon Mint, they're they're just hard to kill. You know, they're they're hard to um, get away from. Where you know, all of a sudden they're down, and then the 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 the, the winning starts to happen after they they've already been sort of pummeled for. A little while maybe that's their mo but you know over the past five home games um they've been down by at least i believe nine points you know obviously that that great comeback against the cowboys um obviously they 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 had a a comeback against the the, the ravens which really started it all um probably one of the better games that i've ever seen and then they they, they just keep piling it on you know they were down 17 to 0 to the raiders you know, it, it just seems to be uh, this team's identity to sort of get down and then all of a sudden, you know, rise back up. And, you know, obviously that's not exactly how you want to be um, because, you know, other good teams will will definitely take advantage of it. And I was surprised that the Chargers didn't. Um, it's going to be tough to do something similar like that against the Chiefs this week, but um, it's definitely their M.O. Yeah, that that is for sure. And, you know, there was the old joke. It's been around for decades that if there was to be complete nuclear annihilation, the only things that would be left are cockroaches and Keith Richards. And as Keith, the Rolling Stones guitarist, reaches his 80th birthday this year, uh, there's still a lot of truth to that comment. But, you know, you mentioned the M.O. of this team. And, you know, early in that game against the Chargers, Trevor Lawrence, he looked like he was guiding the ball. He looked like he was forcing it. You know, talk about he had the four interceptions before the half even came to a close. So tell us, what did he say after the game? What exactly happened to where he's just, you know, basically throwing passes to Asante Samuel Jr., who's on the other team? He had three of those interceptions. Yeah, you know, I think he he sort of said it was it was, you know, some bad play that just can't happen obviously, but also some bad luck, you know. The the first interception was tipped. Um the second interception I believe was some miscommunication. The third interception was probably just on him and then the fourth interception uh like you said maybe forcing it a little bit, but you know, it they they weren't necessarily plays that he shouldn't have made. It was more just the circumstances did not um, add up for that, you know, and, and Asante Samuel Jr. is a really good corner. I mean, he's one of their better players, so it, it wasn't a surprise to see him get um, an interception or two, but but to, but to throw four and three for Asante, it, it was just incredible. I mean, incredible in a bad way. Uh, the, 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 the first half of, of the game couldn't have gone any worse for, for Lawrence. You know, he said it was his, uh, worst half of football of his life. And, and I mean, it, it's probably true I mean, that that would probably be true of almost any quarterback. If not every quarterback in the league right now, if you throw four interceptions, you only complete, you know, five or so passes before that final drive of, of the second half or of the first half. Sorry, but you know, 
it, it's it, it, it was just everything that could go wrong for Lawrence and the Jaguars offense did go wrong in the first half, at least until that final drive where they scored the touchdown. But, um, you know, it was just the, the, the bad luck or whatever it may have been. But, um, you know, he's going to hope to obviously not do that again. No, you know, it, when you look at it, aside from the four interceptions, you also had the muff punt where the Chargers got the ball down there. I guess the lesson learned here is if you're going to screw up and screw up a lot, get it done quickly because a quarter and a half was barely gone and they're down 27-0. But, you know, and as you mentioned, it's their MO to go down early and come back in the second half. Has Doug Peterson addressed what he says to this team every time they're down in the first half the way they are? Because this is like the sixth time that's happened. Or does he just give them spinach? Do they turn into Popeye? Like, what's going on in that halftime locker room? Yeah, you know, Doug's always been a very um, calm personality. You know, even-keeled. He's not going to get too high, not going to get too low. Um, He said in his halftime interview, you know, just keep chipping away. And that's pretty much what he said to the Jaguars in the locker room at, at halftime. You know, just keep chipping away. We've been in this position before, um, you know, defense, make some stops, offense score every drive. That was pretty much the message. You know, the, the offense had to score every drive in the second half. Um, and I believe they, they, they did, or, or they came close. Um, so, you know, it, it was just a, a sort of, Hey, we're, we're, we're here. This is the position that we put ourselves in. Um, you know, we have a whole second half of football to play. Um, here you go. And, and, you know, the, 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 the players really are the catalyst to this. I think that they sort of have taken that, you know, ownership of the team themselves as well. Roy Robertson Harris uh, spoke to the locker room at halftime and, and told them basically like, Hey, let's, let's get to work. Let's, let's do this in the second half. Um, you know, Foley Fadakasi speaks to the team before, during, and after the game. You know, th- those are the type of, of players that the team sort of gravitates toward. And I think that that's just sort of what they've been. Um, they've 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 been this year. You know, they they've been a team that they go down, but you know, they keep fighting. They 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 don't quit. And so I don't think that there was too much to be said at halftime, but it was just enough for them to obviously uh, mount the comeback. Yeah, you mentioned Roy Robertson Harris. What a game he had. And the defense, you know, that, to me, they're super underrated as a defensive unit. But the one thing that I found, maybe this might be the most overlooked and understated thing about that game, is they didn't get a turnover from the Chargers. The defense just stopped them, stopped them, stopped them. It was incredible with the number of three and outs and how they were just doing so well. So, you know, how good has this unit been over the past two months? And what else can you state about them? It seems like they have a new hero on defense every week. Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. I think over the last um, four games, they've only given up maybe um, nine or, 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 or maybe 16 points, something like that in the second half which is incredible. And I think they, they, they've given up an average of three points in the fourth quarter this year. I mean, it's, it, it's really a defense that, um, you know, takes, takes a little bit of time to get going, but once they do, it's like an avalanche, um, sort of like the Jaguars offense. That, that's just sort of the, the team as a whole, you know, they might take a little bit to get going, but then once they do, it's, it's smooth sailing from there. But yeah, the, the defense has been, uh, remarkable during this stretch this uh, six game win streak that they're on right now 
Um, I think that what they did in the first half, considering the, the situations, was really good. I mean, to even hold them to a field goal for a couple of those drives, which were given up by, um, you know, obviously four interceptions and the muff punt that that, that you mentioned. It, it's just a, a a an incredible sign of of maturity. I think that this defense has sort of gotten um, a bad rap, you know, from from everyone, you know, in the media, fans, it makes sense. You know, they they just weren't performing early in the season, then all of a sudden they've turned it on. So um, it's a credit to Mike Caldwell, obviously, and 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 what he's been able to do. And I think that um, they've they've sort of just sort of, sort of grown into their own. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I have a column coming out later this week. It's actually our playoff predictions column, and I use a metaphor for the Jaguars that, and people of a certain age will certainly remember this. You know, in the '80s, when Hulk Hogan rose to being the championship of the then WWF, there was a formula he followed. Every match was basically the same. Hogan would come out to a huge pop from the crowd. He would get beat up for three quarters of the match. The crowd was kind of out of it. And then he hulks up at the end and out of nowhere just always wins and drops the big leg at the end. Well, you know, the Jaguars are kind of like that. You know, the crowd was totally into this game to start. They were heading toward the exits before the half. And then people were packing back in as they started to to pour it on late in the game. And then, you know, to, to again use the, the metaphor, the big leg from Hulk Hogan, they got the big leg from Riley Patterson, who, who kicked them into immortality. So after the game, just talk about what was that locker room like? Like, you know, the, the disbelief or the celebration. And I'm curious, did, did Trevor Lawrence invite you to go to Waffle House with him after the game? <laughs> no, I can say uh, Trevor Lawrence did not invite me to go to Waffle House, which I was disappointed in. You know, obviously, I thought that he would invite me, but um, I digress. You know, that locker room, it, it, it was funny. You know, obviously, we kind of get in there after their cool down period, so we don't get to get that initial fire or the enthusiasm that you'll see in these locker room videos post game. But um, I think it's a team that 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 just believes in the and in themselves you know it's not sort of disbelief they weren't necessarily stunned that they won obviously they've never been a part of a game like that you know foyer said you know i asked him have you ever been a part of a football game like that and he was like no you know football definitely not you know um, maybe he's been in a, in a basketball game where he all of a sudden came back but definitely not a a, a football game and i think that it's sort of um, they they understand that that was incredible. They understand that that was something that you know probably won't be done again, and that it was a great achievement. And um, they they overcame a lot of adversity. But um, like we said earlier, you know they've been in this position before. You know the the Cowboys game, the Ravens game, um, just 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 you know a, a variety of games where they were down and they came back. So they weren't necessarily stunned, but they were definitely excited. You know, Christian Kirk told me that he was exhausted, um, which makes sense. I mean, that, that guy was a workhorse all night. Um, they knew what they had to do. They had to play hard every single play. Otherwise, you know, it wasn't going to go their way. If they made one mistake in that second half, it was not going to go their way. So, you know, I think that it was just more, um, you know, relief sort of, and, and, and excitement and, um, and, and Hey, you know, this is us. Yeah. And, you know, I opened this podcast by saying that had I not been there and seen it with my own eyes, 
I might not have believed it, but man, it is real and it was incredible. So now on to the Chiefs, Demetrius. You know, these two teams met earlier in the season. And again, the Chiefs seized a 20-0 lead uh, just just before the half. And of course, the Jaguars scored before the half. They did miss two field goals, which could have kept the game even closer. But they clearly outplayed the Chiefs in the second half. So give Jaguars fans some hope about why this team might be able to pull off the upset as a nine and a half point underdog in Kansas city on Saturday. Yeah. You you know, first of all, I think this team has shown this year they can play with anybody. I mean, they, they, you know, beaten a few uh, playoff teams already this season. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. So that's, you know, for one, but you know, it, it it's it it was a game that never felt like even when they were down twenty to zero. For some reason, at least watching it from the press box in um in Kansas City, it, it just it seemed like that game was never out of hand. If that makes sense, it was it was a clear it, it was clear that the Chiefs were just the better team. Um, but but it was never something where you're just like, oh man, the Jaguars didn't even show up today. Um, so I think that there's there's some things to take away. Obviously, um, Pacheco, I believe, is, is is how it's pronounced. You know, he he sort of had his coming out party um, during that contest. And I think that, you know, the 82 yards on the ground, um, he he sort of, you know, revived that Chiefs running game where which they des- desperately needed. Um I think that the the Jags, you know, in a way, they sort of got away from the ground game because they they fell behind so early. Um, but ETN averaged four point one yards per carry. Um, Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, didn't play poorly. He didn't have a turnover, or at least he didn't have an interception. Um, so you know, it, it it was just a game where you could see the life coming. And also, if you if you think about it, that was in week ten. This Jaguars offense has taken off since then. It wasn't, you know, at that point in the season, I believe they fell to three and seven. Um, it wasn't a situation where they were obviously um, a, a fantastic offense, a, a a rising defense. Now it's sort of flipped where um, this offense can sort of hang with anyone. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, of course, I think that they have a chance. It's 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 a game that's going to be tough. It, it always will be when you're going up against the number one seed, um, but they definitely have a chance. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, at, at game time at 4.30 p.m. this Saturday, you know, it, it's going to be pretty chilly up there in Kansas City. I was looking at the weather report. It's going to be around 40, and then the sun goes down, and the temperature drops quickly into the 30s and maybe even into the 20s. Now, this game against Los Angeles this past weekend in Jacksonville, it was pretty cold there. Luckily, the wind died down because the wind was the worst thing early in the day. But it was about 45 degrees and got a little bit colder after that. And, you know, so maybe d- does weather play a factor here? Does, you know, this team seems to need a little time to warm up as it is as a unit. Do they also need, you know, time to warm up as human beings? Do you see, you know, weather playing much of a factor here? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll play a bit of a factor. Not a lot of players like to play in the cold, so it might take them a little bit to get warmed up. Um, you know, obviously the chiefs play there, so they might not take as long. And, you know, obviously the Jaguars are in Florida, so I get it. You know, the, the, the temps drop and, and sometimes, you know, other things happen, but I don't think it's going to be too much of a factor as long as the wind stays normal. And and as long as it doesn't snow or, or rain or anything like that, then I think it it should be fine. It's not going to be a situation where they're completely frozen. It's not like in the negatives or anything like that. So um, I think weather will be, you know, a tiny factor, but not, not, not too much. 
Now, and you know, if it does come down to, and you mentioned the wind kicking, you know, the Chiefs have a good kicker, but Riley Patterson, he's really had his work recently. And, you know, the Chiefs, they, they don't kick as many field goals. So if it comes down to it, you know, maybe Patterson becomes the edge there. Absolutely. I think uh, Riley's made, since, since he missed those two in, in Kansas City, I believe he's made 19 out of 20 kicks, something like that. You know, he's only missed one since then. So, um, yeah, he's definitely come on lately. Uh, you know, obviously that that one at the end in the Chargers game seemed to be, you know, a, a little closer than 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 we thought initially. But um, he's been doing a fantastic job. I think that they sort of now have uh, maybe solidified him as the kicker for for the team moving forward. And I think that's a. Uh, that's something incredible to to see because of how many kickers they had in training camp. Yeah, and Harrison Butker, he's actually been a little bit, um, you know, he hasn't had his best season this year. So we'll see if it does come down to kicks. But of course, there's a lot going on there. And you mentioned, you know, when they were when they lost to the Chiefs, they were three and seven. After that, they only lost one more game. That one game to the Lions, and they're riding what a six game winning streak. But Coming into this game, you know, obviously Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, he's really been on fire lately. Against the Jaguars earlier this year, he had four touchdown passes to four different receivers in that game. So even if you try and contain Travis Kelsey, there's so many other weapons to rely on. So, you know, the Jaguars defense, though, they're different than when these two teams played. So talk about that matchup about the Chiefs offense versus this, you know, really improved Jaguars defense. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this uh this this Chiefs offense is real. Obviously, I mean it, it's a, it's an incredible offense. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is probably um if not the best quarterback in the league, you know, he's he's he can't be far off. I mean, I, I don't know if if there's anybody who would argue um against him. Maybe they would have Joe Burrow or or Josh Allen ahead, but um you know, there there's there's almost no stopping him once they catch fire, especially because of the 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 weapons they have Travis Kelsey um a hall of fame tight end or a future hall of fame tight end um you know obviously they 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 haven't had their sort of um home run guy you know Tyreek Hill obviously is in Miami now uh so they haven't had that guy but you know he's making do with with what he's got and, and by he I mean uh Patrick Mahomes you know Juju Smith Schuster um has come on obviously um Jarek McKinnon as as the running back sort of receiving option for him, uh, even Kadarius Tony, uh, in I think in in week seventeen or, or something like that against the Broncos, he had two touchdowns, and you know he he had only had one other touchdown, and that was against the um, the Jaguars. So I I, I feel like um, this offense, you know, is 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 one that only gets better as the season goes on. So that makes it a tough matchup for the Jaguars defense in the playoffs. I, I feel like, you know, the Jaguars defense has sort of come on lately. I think that they've picked a perfect time. I actually was talking to one of the 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 linebackers on the team and and, and he was telling me, you know, yeah, we we we've started to, you know, gel. We've started to come together and I think that, you know, everybody's sort of figuring everything out. A first year defensive coordinator uh, you know, it it takes a while. Everybody's learning this playbook for the first time, pretty much. I mean, he's he's never called plays in in the league before, so you know he he's going to have some different um, looks, some 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 different terminology than than anybody's seen. So, um, you know, I, I I think that the Jaguars defense matched up pretty well 
against the Chiefs offense. If, if I, I know that sounds crazy to say, uh, but but the first go around, it really felt like you know the Jags were never completely out of it until maybe the end of that third quarter. Um, but so I, I I just feel like the Jaguars defense has has come on lately. The Chiefs offense is is incredible. It's going to be a tough matchup for anybody, but um, if they're up for it, it will be this week. Yeah, and you know Mahomes, he was the only quarterback this year to throw for more than five thousand yards. He had fifty-two fifty. He was the only quarterback to throw more than forty touchdowns. And then Travis Kelsey, of course, he leads tight ends in all of these categories, but he was third in the league in receptions as a tight end. He was second in the league in touchdowns as a tight end, and he was eighth overall in receiving yards. Which, I mean, yeah, it's just insane that a, a tight end and, and that Mahomes has that. And then he has other people that are really good. So, But when you look at the other side of the ball now, the Chiefs are number 16 in the NFL in defense based on the NFL's defensive team rankings. So that means they're not impenetrable. So what do the Jaguars have to do to avoid that slow start and maybe put up some points early against that Chiefs defense? Do they, you know, are they trying to run the ball because of how well ETN's been playing? You know, do they try and air it out like they did last week with Lawrence and just hope bad luck doesn't get interception? So how do you see this game beginning? Yeah, I I, I think that they're going to try to, you know, start off fast against the Chiefs the first time around, you know, they obviously started off with that onside kick. They recovered it. Uh, they didn't get anything out of it, but you know, that was a good idea. If, if, if you think about it, you want to start fast against this chiefs, uh, offense as well. You know, it, it's almost like an offense versus offense game where, you know that that team is going to score, so you have to score uh, fast and and early. You can't go, you can't fall behind. The twenty-seven to zero, um, that will not work against the Chiefs. I, I would be stunned, you know. And and maybe maybe next week we're gonna we're, we're gonna be talking about this, and and the Jaguars have gone down twenty-eight to zero, and then they roared back, you know, thirty-five to twenty-eight or or something crazy. But I I just can't see it against this Chiefs offense and defense. I think that um, you have to start fast. So I think that that's going to be passing the football early. Um, but 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 the biggest key, in my opinion, to this matchup is going to be the ground game. I think that Travis Etienne has to have a good game. He did against the Chargers. He had over 100 yards. He obviously had that great um, long run at the end of the game to pretty much uh, win it for them besides the kick. Um, so, you know, you have to be able to uh, control the ball a lot more. You can't turn it over. Uh, my going minus five against the Chiefs is also probably not going to work. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's going to be a, a, a weird situation where you want to score fast, but you don't want to turn it over um, and, and you still want to establish the run game. So early on, I think that, you know, we'll probably see a couple passes. Um, we'll, we'll see how the game is sort of flowing. But I think early on, it's going to be a lot of passing and, and sort of trying to get ahead of the ahead of the curve, so to speak. Yeah, and you know, with ETN, he had the 109 yards, but I think one, another one of those odd things that gets overlooked of last week's game was, you know, they stuck to the run even after being down 27 points, which is incredible because normally you're going to try and air it out and try and make up, but Peterson just stuck to the to, to the game plan. So, you know, to me, that's one of the huge things. So even if they go down, I mean, we'll probably still see them trying to establish the run and do those type of things, right? Absolutely. No, that that's actually one of the positives from Doug Peters. I, I feel like he's, um, I don't want to say grown in, in that area, but he's sort of, um, 
maybe changed a, a little bit of uh, of his uh, methodology. He knows that, hey, if the offense is in this weird rut, you don't want to just keep going, you know, to the pass. If, if he, you know, four interceptions, you still want to be able to throw the ball, but you also need to figure out other ways um, to to get yards. I think that he he sort of figured out that that balance late in the season where he's not going to just give up on the run. He's going to uh, use it in a way where he can sort of get those those tough yards, get the three to four yards so that the pass game can have an easier going. I think that that's the, the balance that they're looking for right there. Yeah, and that's a great transition right there because I want my next question is about Doug Peterson. You know, not only was he the offensive coordinator under Chiefs head coach Andy Reid during their time together in Philadelphia, he also played for Reid when he was a quarterback on both Green Bay and the Eagles, and Reid was a coordinator for the Packers, and then he was head coach of the Eagles and brought Peterson in. So these guys know each other really well. Reed is 3-0 and against former assistants all-time in the playoffs, and in the regular season, he's 16-8 and all-time against former assistants. So when I tell you those type of things about Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, what are, what are your initial thoughts on those stats? I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting. You know, I, I think Andy Reid's probably... Uh, one of the best coaches in the league. I mean, I, I know that's not that's not saying uh, anything crazy, but uh, it seemed like you know, coach of the year awards and things of that nature. Uh, they're going towards guys who have sort of um, elevated the team to heights that you wouldn't expect. Whereas a guy like Andy Reid, you expect the Chiefs to go fourteen and three, and 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 no one bats an eye. Um, I think that he absolutely deserves coach of the year. But but going back to that. Um, against former assistants, and I mean, it, it just goes to show he probably knows a lot more um, about that coach than anybody else. I'm sure that he's probably one of the most um, you know studious coaches in the league. Clearly, he knows the game perfectly. Um, there, there's a reason why his coaches are the ones getting head coaching jobs. So um, that that matchup is, is 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 pretty cool to see. It was pretty cool to see the the, the first go around, and, and it'll be cool to see this go around. But um, you know, I think Doug Peterson is 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 one of the guys. He's probably one of the better um, Andy Reid disciples to come out. You know, I think that he's really taken to uh, that teaching. If you look at the Chiefs' offense and you look at the Jaguars' offense, you can see the similarities. You can see the motions, the different things they do, the disguises. Um, I think it's a really good chess match, and 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 it's going to be exciting to see this Saturday. Yeah, and you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Those are two guys that have kind of reached that Michael Jordan status to where every year Mahomes could be MVP and every year Reed can be coach of the year. But you're right, because there are other guys who come along and, and kind of come out of nowhere or have great seasons, they're getting these awards. But yeah, just like Michael Jordan could have been MVP every year, Mahomes could be MVP and Reed could be coach of the year. So, you know, Demetrius, now it's time to talk about, as I mentioned earlier, there's a nine and a half point spread here, the Chiefs favored. So if I'm asking you to plunk down your own personal money, you're going to open up the wallet and find that you actually have bills in there instead of a credit card. Do you take the Chiefs to cover? Do the Jaguars lose by less than nine and a half? Or do they outright win and head toward the AFC championship game? What do you think? It is so tough. And, and, and you know, last week I, I predicted the Jags to win. Um, this week, it's so, it's, it's so challenging. It, it just depends on how this Jaguars offense plays early. I really, really do feel like they can't get behind like they have been. 
um, lately against good teams. So um, I'm gonna have to take I'm gonna have to take the Chiefs, um, but I do expect the Jaguars to cover. I don't expect it to be a, a, a blowout win for the Chiefs. I think it'll be maybe seven points, like a touchdown at the end, or or maybe a field goal, something like that. I do think it's gonna be close. I, I think that this Jaguars team absolutely is good, um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up uh, winning the game. But I, I do think I'm going to be picking the Chiefs for right now. Yeah, I'm probably going to lean toward you there. And, you know, earlier this season, and we do our weekly predictions for, for the Times Union at Jacksonville.com. And, um, you know, all seven uh, people who pick for us chose the Chiefs in that first game. And I have a feeling that a lot of us will be leaning that way. But, you know, like I, I always keep saying, don't count the Jaguars out. Just just never count them out. So, Demetrius, uh, we've done a pretty good job uh, of talking about the Chargers and breaking down the Chiefs. Is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you might want to get in front of the audience? Um, yeah, you know, coming up this week, I'm going to have an article about just the closeness of this team. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people remember, but back in training camp, I, I talked to Zay Jones, um, about how they sort of have started to develop chemistry with, you know, not only Trevor Lawrence, but the team as a whole. And he talked about them going to his house and, and playing the, these games. And I, I just really think that, you know, that point, you know, maybe a little bit before when, when they, you know, went to the Bahamas and, and things like that, I think all of that has sort of um, added up to where how close this team is. It's just um, an incredibly tight-knit group, and I think that that's something that uh, is it's in need to be explored. So look for that, you know, on, on com. maybe on Friday. I believe it's going to be out. Um, maybe Thursday. So uh, it, it's just it's just an exciting time right now for the Jaguars, obviously. And I think that they uh, they've exceeded expectations. And this is a team, you know, on the rise. Yeah, and we'll be talking about this later on in the spring and as we head toward the draft. But really, the Jaguars, they're not going to be losing a ton of pieces. And, and next year, they're also going to have a wide receiver in Calvin Ridley coming in. So again, we'll, we'll be talking about that in the future. But, you know, if Trevor Lawrence, you know, he wanted to get close to his teammates and took them to the Bahamas. If he wants to get close to the local media, Demetrius, you and I and, and our colleagues will happily go to the Bahamas with Trevor Lawrence. Yes, absolutely. You know, if, if, if Trevor wants to come up to me and, and hand me a, a couple cruise tickets or, or anything like that, you know, to go with him, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll graciously accept it. You know, obviously I'm going to have to look at my schedule to see if I'm free, but, you know, I'll probably end up going. Yeah, as the sports editor, I would probably have to tell you that's breaking all sorts of journalistic ethics. So, but I won't edit out that last part because we would both want to take them. But, you know, Gannett may have an issue with that, but I'll I'll protect you, Demetrius. We'll we'll say you're going by yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So, you know, again, the the game is at 430 on Saturday. We'll have our live blog going at Jacksonville.com. Our colleague Clayton Freeman does a great job with that. And if people want to follow along, because I know you tweet throughout the game, where can they find you, Demetrius? They can find me um, on Twitter at Demetrius82. Um, That's pretty much where I'm at. You know, I don't have Instagram or anything like that, really. So, um, on Twitter at Demetrius82 to find all my tweets, which you should not be taking seriously past 10 p.m. So, <laughs> well, join Demetrius. He's got what over 15,000 people that follow him on Twitter. Might even be more than that now. So he, he's a great follow. He's a great reporter. And Demetrius, I appreciate it as always. Safe travels as you head to Kansas City. And as always, I do appreciate you joining me here. Absolutely, I appreciate you having me on. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote late businessman and one-time presidential candidate Ross Perot, 
life is never more fun than when you're the underdog competing against giants. Well said, Ross. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.